Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. This is it, the final Hall of Fame message of this series. Uh, it's been a doozy. That also means summer's over. Uh, this has been the summer series. So, uh, and we've had a great time exploring some of the uh, people of the Old Testament, some guys and girls who had some huge legacies. And so this has been all about the Hall of Fame, leaving a legacy. How do we apply that to our own lives? How do we leave a legacy? And so today we're going to talk about uh, one guy who I think leaves a huge legacy, but it's also what he leaves kind of uh, because he loses what actually makes him uh, so amazing in the Bible. Um, about halfway, three-fourths of the way through his life, he all of a sudden kind of starts making wrong choices and the legacy is tainted. Um, there's a lot of times probably in our own lives where I used to, I did, I had that. And then I didn't have it. I thought I had it. I don't have it anymore. Um, and, and, and so people in the Bible are so relatable because for you and for me, you know, we can have a good week and we can have a bad week. We can make a series of good choices followed by a series of unfortunate events, right? And so we're all there in that. We kind of walk in, in that step. And, and that's what uh, this character does as well, this guy. And so we want to learn from him and glean from him as much as possible because I don't want to make, I want to make the first half of his life, I want to do that. I don't want to do the back half of his life, okay? Um, so then the guy we're talking about today is a guy named Solomon. He is David's son. He is the second child of Bathsheba and David. Um, we talked about that a little bit earlier, but he is uh, going to become king after David passes away. And he is the, uh, the heir apparent to this fantastic king of Israel. So Solomon looks this right in the face and goes, uh-oh. Have you ever, maybe you really wanted a job? You really wanted a responsibility? My kids really wanted an allowance. And we fought that for years now. No, you're not getting an allowance. I'm not paying you to live, to be alive. <laughs> so now they've got an allowance. They just started getting it when school started. And, but they have to do some significant chores associated with it. And then they get graded every night. If they don't do what we have asked them to do, they don't get the allowance for that day. So it's not a week-long thing. It's, it's just you didn't get the whatever it is for that day. Um, and so it becomes really nice about 7.30 at night. Hey, you're in serious danger of not getting your allowance today. <laughs> Rats scurry and things get cleaned all of a sudden, right? The dishes get done, hopefully to standards that are mildly acceptable. And, uh, but they, they've got some stuff they've got to, whoop, they've got to get done in that. Um, and I forgot my point that I was supposed to be teaching about the, the chores, but there was one there. Uh, yeah, he's, got a, he's gaining responsibilities. Thanks, babe. I'm glad you're in here. If, uh, <laughs> see, my preaching would be way better if she got to, to be in here more instead of with the kids all the time. Um, but... Uh, it starts to gain responsibility. Solomon is in the same spot. He's starting to gain these responsibilities. He's looking that responsibility in the face and going, oh, my goodness, this is huge, right? He's Simba. I just can't wait to be king. Oh, wait a minute. I'm king now. 
and there's some serious responsibilities that go along with that. And Solomon is looking that straight in the face and going, oh, what did I just get myself into? So um, Solomon gets this chance, this opportunity to ask God basically for anything that he wants. Now, if you could ask God for anything that you want, what would it be? Anybody? Free college? It's a good one. Free college. Free college. Emma, you got something you'd ask God for? Mom's leg bag? I'd go bigger than that. I'd be like, you know, just. <laughs> yes. What'd you say? Good health. Good health? Okay. Anybody else? Wisdom. All right. Someone's rather long ahead in the story. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, so Solomon gets the opportunity to, to uh, ask God for anything. Well, it comes in the form of a dream. Solomon falls asleep and God comes and talks to Solomon and, and there's this interesting conversation that happens between God and Solomon. And here it is recorded in 1 Kings 3. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made my servant king and me, your servant, sorry. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count on or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but the discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked and I will give you a wise and discerning heart. So there will never be, there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, you, for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and realized it had been a dream. He asks for wisdom. When he's asked, whatever you want, it's not a castle. It's not the coolest army or a new toy. It's not to be live forever. It's not to it, all kinds of different, maybe even good things. It's not for a crystal sword or a gold throne. It's that he'd be wise. So this discernment, this figuring out what's right and what's wrong, this is what he asked for. Because in this moment of, oh no, I am going to be in charge and I don't know what I'm doing. What do I need most, God? I need to know how to discern between right and wrong. Who's trying to pull my leg and who's for me? Who's with me and who's against me? And so this is the cry of his heart and this is what God wants to honor so we need to define what um, wisdom actually is. We need to define it because sometimes I think we kind of throw it into the idea of being smart. Well, smart and wisdom are not the same thing. You can know some incredibly intelligent people, but they're not so wise. 
I know three people that you work with just popped in your head, right? And so, uh, or the people that you went to college with, you're like, those people could, they were amazing, but wow, they couldn't open a doorknob. <laughs> so it's just the, the way it is sometimes. Smart is when you have knowledge. Smart is when you know stuff. Smart is when you can figure out the multiplication problems. Smart is when you can get A's on your spelling test. Smart is when you just have accumulation of things that you know. It's important. It's powerful. It helps you. But it's not the same as wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, before we do that, anybody, what are you smart at? Anybody know something that you're smart at? You got enough chutzpah to say, I'm smart at this. Anybody? What, what Bowen? You're, you're smart at math. You are smart at math. I'm, you get that from your mother. Yes, Emma, what are you smart at? What? Reading. You're a very good reader. McKenna, what are you good at? Math. Oh, you like numbers? Uh, <laughs> here we go. Bowen brought home a, a math problem this week, and I just looked at it, and I was like, oh, he's in fourth grade. I was like, oh, we got a problem. And I was like, wait, what am I looking at? And he explained what I'm looking at. I was like, oh, I can figure this one out. <laughs> so excited. In fourth grade, I got problems. Um, so just wait until your mother comes home. Um, I think I'll be saying that a lot in life. Wisdom. Wisdom is when you can tell right from wrong and then use it to... There we go. Wisdom is when you tell right from wrong and then use it to make good decisions. Wisdom is when you can tell right from wrong and use it to make good decisions. This is incredibly important because you can have all of the knowledge in the world. But if you don't use it to make the appropriate decisions, it's not really helping anyone. It's not achieving anything. It's not doing anything. I know a lot of people who, who they know the right things. They know a bunch of things, but they don't do anything with it. And this happens over and over and over again. It happens in our, in our governments. It happens in our colleges. It happens in our lives. It happens at work. It happens in group projects. And if you ever have to do group projects at school, you're like, they know the right stuff. They just don't want to participate with the rest of the class or my group and my grade's going to suffer and I want to strangle you. As an only child, I really did not like group projects. You might be able to pick up on that Um, because you had to trust someone else to do something. That's okay. The wisdom, wisdom being when you can tell right from wrong and then use it to make good decisions. This is what Solomon is craving. That he knows if he's going to be a leader, a leader that, that would honor God, he needs to have wisdom. He needs to be able to tell right from wrong and be able to make the right choices from it. In our lives, this is something we can crave as well. I need two volunteers. Two volunteers. I would like it if they're younger. You want to come help me? All right. Somebody who maybe hasn't seen this Bunsen burner thing. I know you have seen it. Layla, what grade are you in? Second. Come here, Layla. All right, all right. All right. So I want you to just stand behind here. Sweet thing. You stay right here. We'll be all right. Uh, now, Layla might have already known this one because she's so smart and wise. But, um, so what we've got here is we're going to do a little science experiment, and what we're going to do is we're going to put this little powder in this one, and then when I tell you to, after I'm done, you're going to pour this in. You're not going to go, gloosh, and, and you're not going to drizzle it in. You're just going to pour it, like, just, like you'd pour it on your brother's head. Just do it like that. Okay? Actually, don't do it like you'd pour it on your brother's head. 
Um, just, just pour it in there, okay? You guys understand that? You cool with that? Okay. We're going to do a couple. Actually, we're going to do six. In my life, a couple is anything between two and eight. And so we, uh, uh, so what we've got here is powder that's going to do something and it's going to represent something for us. What I'd like for you to just think about when we, when we put these powders in here, see Solomon already had a starting point. He was wise enough to ask for wisdom. You understand that? That's, that's something pretty significant in the story. He, he's not a, he's, he knows enough to know he doesn't know. And that's a huge step, right? When you can say, I know enough to know that I need to search YouTube to figure out how to do this, right? I know enough to know that I don't know what I'm doing. I know enough that I need to call Tom Tootin because I'm going to cut my hand off if I try this project, right? That's, that's Jared wisdom right there. Uh, I know enough to, not know, to know what I don't know. And so Solomon is starting out with some wisdom. Now, it's just a little bit of wisdom. Now, we all start out with a certain kind of way God has wired us and maybe the experiences of life. He's wired us with some sort of gifts. And maybe it's compassion. Maybe it's mercy. Maybe it's a little wisdom. Maybe it's a little uh, just you're extra sensitive to to love and to to caring for people. He's given you some sort of already given you a starting point. Thanks. Okay. So... That's kind of how God has started us out with when he just made us in our, in our mama's womb. Boom, we start out with this stuff. Now, the water that's symbolized here, the Bible calls Jesus the living water. And we're going to pour this, in a second, we're going to pour this water into the powder. But this is what happens when Solomon asks God for wisdom. He took, God takes the, the wisdom that he'd already given Solomon, already started out with, and he pours himself and the gifts of God into Solomon and something amazing happens. All right, pour those in there. You are expert pourers. Nope, faster, faster, faster. All right, there we go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, thank you. Now we're going to let that just sit there for a second. Now just It's like a magic trick. <laughs> All right. Now, as that absorbs more and more and more of the powder, it just gets fluffier and fluffier and fluffier as a little fake snow. Now, I did this once with my youth group back in Georgia, and they had never seen snow. And so some smart senior high boys... Some of this fell on the ground, and they picked it up and started eating it. And then they were complaining about how their stomach was hurting. That was not very wise. Because what this does is absorbs moisture, and when that happens to be in your stomach, there's just some bad things are happening. Anyway, that's for free. So you see, when we take that little bit of what we have, Maybe our wisdom, maybe our care, maybe our love, maybe our mercy. And then God's amazing power is interjected into it. When he pours his, himself into us, it explodes and expands. Isn't that crazy that that was just six little spoonfuls of that white powder? And it 
filled up this whole mason jar? This is what happens in Solomon's life when he asks for wisdom. When he says, God, make me your vessel. Take me. Help me do this. And this is what happens. He is full of God's power and wisdom. Thank you, girls. Give him a hand. Fun stuff. Um, this is kind of some of the cool science experiment stuff that we do uh, in the kids' ministry, and in even cooler uh, stuff um, that, ha- that happens back there. So if you ever wonder what your kids do, if it's just some boring, like, flannel graph and people yelling at your children, that's not what happens. Um, it's uh, some really neat ways of applying science and applying all kinds of different uh, object lessons to bring faith alive to you. Including that, I'll take time just to give a little commercial. We're starting a parenting, um, a parenting series next week. And uh, <laughs> it's going so well. The research for the parenting uh, series that Kelly this week on Tuesday says, can we not do a parenting series? Can we just do one day? Because if I say, hey, I'm going to do a parenting series, that means like, uh, Satan's like, oh, you think you know enough about parenting to pull this off and all kinds of crazy stuff starts happening and our kids act like chickens with their heads cut off. Sorry, you guys do, but that's, uh, it just, it just happens. Um, so, uh, but we're going to, uh, we're doing a parenting series, not to say that pastors got everything figured out in parenting. It's just like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. And this is what God has gifted us, this huge, amazing, beautiful gift um, of parenting to try to pour into these kids. And whether they are uh, zero to uh, empty nest or how you want to partner and love on your nieces and nephews or any other kids that you see around you, uh, well, that's what we're going to be covering in that series. Okay, done with the commercial. Sorry. Um, But the cool thing about this is God takes Solomon's little bit that he has to offer. Now, he's got a lot of natural gifts. He's the son of David. He grew up in the throne room of David. He saw politics happen. He saw things go on. He saw how war lords would come in and go. He saw how alliances needed to be made. He saw all of that, right? He's got natural aptitude. But what he has even more, he saw all the trouble that David had and said, you know what I need, God? I need the knowledge to figure out who's two-faced, who's a jerk face, who's got my back, who doesn't have my back? How do I navigate all the things that I've got to do? Because I watched my dad do it, and he, he went through this, and I don't have that. <laughs> like, he made good choices, and I don't have that. He, went, he navigated through a civil war, and I, I don't know how he did that. Right? And so he has the humility to say, God, I need wisdom. And in our own lives, I think sometimes it just takes us to humble ourselves enough to say, God, will you take the natural gifting that you've already given me and pour your power into it? The verse 7 is the the, the verse, I think, that catalyzes God answering this prayer for wisdom. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Now, there's other kings in Israel's history that are actually kids. They're seven, eight years old when they become king. Solomon is a grown man. But he has a very key thing when he's approaching God for this request. He has humility. I am a little child. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to do this. And I need your help. And in this humility comes, God says, oh, I can work with that. I can work with that. Humility, not knowledge, is the key to wisdom. Humility, 
Not knowledge is the key to wisdom. Knowledge just means you know stuff. Well, there's people I know that have like schematics memorized. I have a friend right now who tomorrow is going to go into one of the nuclear plants around here and redo um, a very important piece. So if part of Chicago goes missing, it's all his fault. No, uh, so, but he's, he's doing it. He's the head of the, of the department. He could have his underlings do it. He could have his underlings get exposed to the nastiness that's in that place. But he, uh, he said, no, I'll do it because I know I've been doing this for 20 years. I know that what the material looks like. I know what the equipment looks like. I know where the bolts go. I can do this in my sleep, and I feel I've got that. See, those other guys have the knowledge. They've been studying the schematics. They've all been trained. They've done this hundreds of times in their sleep because that's how important the job is. But this gentleman's got the wisdom to say, you know what? I've been there before. I've seen it when it had a problem. I'm going to do it. And that's, the, that's kind of the difference. It's to say, you know what, I have the knowledge in my head, but I, I got to go do that. Because I, I know when the, when the challenges happen, how, what I can respond to when, when challenges happen. And that's where wisdom comes from. Humility, not knowledge, is the key to wisdom. Knowledge is knowing what to do. Wisdom is knowing the right thing to do, but humility will lead your knowing into doing. Humility will lead your knowing to doing. Humility is a trait we can chase to see this blessing happen in our life. So maybe you've had a group project or maybe you have something at work or something um, even in your family and you, you have to a, attack this certain problem and, and it goes, oh, do you start yelling, I know the right answer, I know the right answer. And you've been in a group project probably where someone has just bulldozed the whole thing and you're going, that is not the right answer. <laughs> but everyone follows because someone was loud and you get this and it's like, but that, that, this is not going well. Groups work better when someone says, hey, how do we come up with a solution? How do we deal with this? Maybe I don't know all the answers. I think I have an idea. And putting all of our, 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 our thoughts together and coming up with a solution, that takes humility. That takes someone saying, you know what? I'm not a know-it-all. I don't know everything. Humility will lead your knowledge into doing. It would have been very easy for Solomon to say, you know what? I got this. I'm the son of David. I am a prince. I got this. I'm pretty smart. I can do this. I can lead these people. Instead, he comes before God and says, I'm like a little child. I have no idea what I'm doing. And if you're honest with yourselves, there's a lot of things in life. Like, things get better when you admit, I don't know what I'm doing. Right? When you start to realize your marriage isn't going that great and you're humbled enough to say, I don't know what I'm doing and I need help. That's a turning point when your marriage starts to get better. Parenting, it's pretty quick when you go, I don't know what I'm doing. When you hold them for the first time, oh, they squirm. That doll that I changed once didn't do that, right? Like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Things start getting better in your parenting when you can realize, I don't know what I'm doing. And it works that way a lot. Humility will lead your knowledge into doing. See, Solomon, I told you at the beginning, Solomon causes some problems because he loses his humility. He still has wisdom. He still has knowledge. He still knows what he's doing. But at the end of his life, he starts thinking, I can do this by myself. I don't need God's help in this. And all kinds of problems start arising. 
bad decisions are made, bad alliances are made, bad choices are made, because he's like, I don't need to consult God. I could. He actually starts worshiping other gods. He lets people into his life that worships all kinds of weird gods. And he kind of forsakes God in his life. And because of Solomon losing his humility, he doesn't lose his wisdom, but he loses the humility that, that powered his wisdom he is the last king of Israel that's unified. He is the last king that, that rules the nation of Israel is a unified country until 1945 after World War II for about 3,000 years because he lost his humility. After him, they're always divided. They're always, all kinds of bad things are happening because he had the knowledge and he maybe even had wisdom, but he had lost the humility to say, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing, and I need you, God, to power it. Because remember, he had a little wisdom. But when that was combined by the power of God, it was full and overflowing. See the difference in that? In our own lives, we may have a little bit of wisdom. We may have a little bit of knowledge. We may have a little bit of gifts. We may be able to get through some stuff by ourselves. We, we put it on our back, and I'll trudge through this. But when we have the humility to take whatever it is in our life and say, God, I, don't, I, I need your help. I need to put this in your hands. Amazing, fantastic things can start to happen. Because God is a God who says, oh, give me that. I'll take it, and I'll do more than you ever can realize. This is what this, when we look at the stories of, the, of Jesus feeding the 5,000, oh, you, you brought a little Lunchable. That's cute. Give it to me. I'll bring in Boom. Now I can feed 5,000 people with your Lunchable. Over and over and over again until we get to the point and say, God, I, I don't have everything put together. I don't have it, what it takes to do this the way I, I think I should. God says, that's okay, I do. That's okay, I do. We are trained so much in life to go, you know what, I could do it myself. I have a two-year-old. She, it is acceptable for my two-year-old to say, I do it myself. It is not acceptable for a 42-year-old to say, I do it myself, okay? Because that's a toddler behavior. She's trying to figure this out for the very first time, how to shut and open a door. Got it. For maturity's sake, for 10-year-olds, for 12-year-olds, for 18-year-olds, for 42-year-olds, for 88-year-olds, it's not mature to say, I do it myself. You know how to open and shut a door. You got to work with it. To have the humility to say, where, God, can you work in my life to make this better and to expand it and to uh, overflow it. I'll give you the little that I have so that you will grow me and grow inside me. Please pray with me. God, this morning we are busy trying to gain knowledge. We've gone back to school. We're taking our classes. We're taking our tests. We're, we're busy consuming knowledge. But, Lord, let us not forget about wisdom. And in this moment that we, we seek your face to say, what is the difference between knowing something and knowing what's right and what's wrong? And that we would never forsake humility to know that we need you, even through our, all of our knowledge and all of our wisdom. Lord, will you take the little gifts we have and expand them with your power and your love? Will you give us mercy? Will you give us compassion? Will you give us wisdom? And will you expand our lives through them. God, I can't wait to see what you do in this church's life, in these kids' lives, in these people's lives, when we fully commit all that we have to you and through your power and through your grace and through your mercy, you fill us up and you run us over. 
to love this community as you would have them loved, to reach people that you would have reached, to serve people that you would have served. Through you, Lord, we want to grow. We want to grow in our depth of love of you. We want to grow in our usefulness to you. Not our own little kingdoms, but in the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Amen. Remember, next week we start our parenting series. It's going to be a blast. Uh, normal kids ministry will resume next week, and we're going to have some, uh, some amazing stuff planned for you in this fall. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.